Chapter 9 of Warlord of Kor by Terry Carr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Warlord of Kor, Chapter 9. Mara's frown deepened. She looked around them in the dimness, her eyes taking in the complexity and extent of the circuitry. It faded into the darkness behind them. Lines ran into the walls and floor. They built their computers in the grand manner, didn't they? she said softly. I've seen fragments of them before, Rhinus had said. This is a big one, no telling how much area the total complex takes up. One thing's certain, though, it's no ordinary computer of theirs. Not for plain math work, nor even for specialized computations, like the one on Rigel II, that was apparently used for astrogation, but it wasn't half the size of this. And navigation between stars, even with the kind of drive they must have had, is no simple problem. The Herlaji think it's a god, she said. That raised another problem, Rhinuson mused. The outsiders built it, and must have left it here when they pulled back to wherever they were going, if they ever left the planet. But the Herlaji use it, and they communicate with it verbally. The Herlaji are apparently responsible for keeping it protected since then. But why should the Herlaji be able to use it? Unless they're the outsiders after all, said Mara. Rhinuson frowned. No, I'm still not convinced of that. The clue seems to be that they communicate verbally with it. They must have been using it since before they developed telepathy. Couldn't there have been direct contact between the Herlaji and the outsiders back when the Herlaji were just evolving out of the beast stage? There must have been, said Rhinuson. The temple rituals are conducted in an even older form of their language than most remembered, a proto-language that was kept alive only by the priest caste, because the machine had been set to respond to that language. But aren't primitive languages usually composed of simple, basic words and concepts? How well could they communicate in such a language? Not very well, Rhinuson said which would explain why the machines seem to make mistakes, clumsiness of language. So the outsiders, maybe, left the machine when they pulled out, but they set it to respond to the Herlaji language because our horse-faced friends were beginning to build a civilization of their own, and the outsiders thought they'd leave them some guidance. He stopped for a moment, remembering that first linkage with Horn, and Tebron's memories. The Herlogy called them the Old Ones, he said. And that order to Tebron, about the other race that they would meet some day, that was based on outsiders' observations. I wonder when the outsiders were on Earth, Rhinuson said. Sometime after we'd started our own rise, certainly. Maybe in ancient Mesopotamia or India, or later, during the Renaissance. The time doesn't matter, does it? Mara said. They touched down on Earth, took note of us, and left. Somehow they thought we were going to develop more rapidly than we did. Probably before the Dark Ages, Rhinuson said. Maybe they didn't see that thousand-year setback coming. He stopped and stood up in the low passageway among the ancient circuitry. So here we are, second-guessing the outsiders. And outside, 
their protégés have disintegrators probably left by the outsiders, and they're just waiting for us to try to get out. Our newfound knowledge isn't doing us much good, is it? she said. He shook his head slowly. When I was still on the secondary sense-teach units, I met Rennie Melholm for the first time. My father worked the spacers, so I don't even remember what planet this was on. But I remember the night I first saw Rennie. He was speaking from the top of a blue lumber pile, shouting about the corporations that were moving in. He was getting all worked up about something, and several people in the crowd were shouting back at him. I stopped to watch. All of a sudden, six or seven men moved in from somewhere and dragged him down from where he was standing. There was a fight. People were thrown all around. I hid till it was over. When the crowd finally cleared, there was Rennie. His clothes were torn, but he wasn't hurt. Every one of the men who had attacked him had to be carried away. I think one of them was dead. Rennie stood there laughing. Then he saw me hidden in the darkness, and he took me home. He told me that when he'd been younger, he'd worked his way all the way into Earth, and studied some of the cultures there. He'd learned karate, which was an ancient Japanese way of fighting. Rynison took a deep breath. He said everything a person learns will be useful some day, and I believed him. A nice parable, Mara said. We could use him against the Herlaji, though. Rynison was silent, thinking. If they could only catch the aliens off guard, but of course they couldn't now. He let his eyes wander aimlessly along the circuitry surrounding them. Tell me, old Kor, what do we do now? After a moment his eyes narrowed. He reached up and traced a connection with his fingers, back to the front, toward the altar. It led directly to the speaker, the voice of Kor. And if he could interrupt that connection, put his own voice through the speaker, out through the altar... Mara, we're going out. I found my own brand of karate for our friends out there. He helped her to her feet. She moved somewhat painfully, her broken left arm hanging stiffly at her side, but she made no protest. We've got to be fast, he said. I don't know how well this will work. It depends on how much they trust their clay-footed god today. Quickly, he outlined his plan. Mara listened silently and nodded. Then he set to work. It was largely guesswork, following those intricate alien connections, but Rynison had seen this part of such machines before. He found the penultimate point at which the impulses from the brain were translated into sound and broadcast through the speaker. He disconnected this, his torn fingers working awkwardly on the delicate linkages. Ready? Mara was just inside the narrow passage behind the altar. She nodded quickly. Rynison twisted himself so that he could speak directly into the input of the speaker. He raised his voice to approximate the thin, high sounds of the Herlaji language. Remain motionless! Remain motionless! Remain motionless! The command burst out upon the altar-room of the temple, shattering the silence. The Herlaji turned in surprise to the altar and stood still. Remain motionless! Remain motionless! 
it was the phrase he had heard the machine use so often to Tebron, king-priest leader of all Herlage. It had meant something else then, but the proto-language of the Herlaji had no precise meanings. Given by itself, it seemed to mean precisely what it said. "'All right, let's go out,' Rynison said, and the two of them broke from behind the altar. The Herlaji stood completely still. Several of those that Rynison had dropped with his stunner had recovered consciousness, but they made no move either. Rynison and the girl ran right through the quiet aliens. Only a few of them turned shadowed eyes to look at them as they passed. They made the outside colonnade in safety and paused there. "'They may see through this in a minute,' Rynison said. "'Don't wait for me. Get out of the city.' "'You're not coming?' "'I won't be too far behind. Get going.' She hesitated only a moment, then hurried down the broad levels of the temple steps. Rynison watched her to the bottom, then turned and re-entered the altar-room. Rynison went quickly among them, taking their weapons. Most of them made no effort to stop him, but a few tightened their grips on the disintegrators and he had to pry those thick fingers from the weapons, cursing to himself. How long would they wait? There were fourteen of the disintegrators. They were large and heavy. He couldn't hold them all at once. He dumped five of them outside the altar-room and returned to disarm the rest of the aliens. Sweat formed beads on his forehead, but he moved without hesitation. Another of the Herlaji tightened his grip when Rynison began to take the weapon from him. He looked up and saw the quiet eyes of Horn resting on him. The leathery gray wrinkles which surrounded those eyes quivered slightly but otherwise he made no movement. Rynison dropped his gaze from that contact and wrested the weapon away. As he started to move on to the next, Horng silently dipped his massive head to one side. Rynison felt a chill go down his back. In a few more minutes he had disarmed them all. He set the last three disintegrators on the stone floor of the colonnade, and a movement in the distance caught his eye. It was on the south wall of the city. Two men stood for a moment, silhouetted against the flat, then disappeared into the shadows. In a moment another man appeared, and he too dropped inside the wall. So Manning had already sent the men in. The mob was unleashed. Rynison hesitated for a moment, then turned and went quickly back into the altar-room. Mara's radio was there. He lifted it by its strap and took it with him out to the colonnade. He could see the Earthmen moving through the streets now, darting from wall to wall in the gathering darkness of evening. In a short time it would be full night, and Rynison knew that these men would like nothing better than to attack in the dark. He warmed the radio and opened the transmitter. "'Manning, call off your dogs. I've disarmed the Herlaji.' The radio spat static at him, and for several seconds he thought his signal hadn't even been picked up but at last there was a reply. "'Then get out of the temple. It's too late to stop this.' "'Manning! I said get clear. You've done all you can there.' "'Damn it! There's no need for any fighting!' Manning's voice sounded cold, even in the faint reception of the hand radio. "'That's for me to decide. I'm running this show, remember?' "'You're running a massacre!' Rynison shouted. Called it what you like. Mara says they weren't so docile when you broke in. 
Rynison's mind raced. He had to stall for time. If he could get Manning to stop those men until they cooled down. Manning, there's no need for this. Didn't she tell you that the altar is just a computer? These people haven't had anything to do with the outsiders since before they can remember. The radio carried the faint sound of Manning's chuckle. So, now they're people to you, Lee. Or are you one of them now? What the hell are you talking about? Lee, my boy, you're sounding like an old horse-faced nursemaid. You linked minds with them, and you say you were practically a herlogy yourself when you went into that linkage. Well, I'm not so sure you ever came out of it. You're still one of them. Is that the only reason you can think of that I might have for wanting to prevent a massacre? Rynison said icily. If they try to revolt once, they'll try it again, Manning said. We'll crush them now. You think that will impress the Council? Slaughtering the only intelligent race we've found? I'm not playing to the Council, Manning snapped. I've got these men following me, and I'll listen to what they want. Rynison stared at the microphone for a moment. Are you sure you aren't afraid of your own mob? he said. We're coming in, Lee. Get out of there, or we'll cut you down, too. Manning! I'm switching off. Not quite yet. There's one more thing, and you better hear this one. Make it fast, Manning said. His voice sounded uninterested. If any of your boys try to come in, I'll stop them myself. I've got the disintegrators, and I'll use them. There was silence from the radio, save for the static. It lasted for long seconds. Then, it's your funeral. There was a faint click as Manning switched off. Rynison stared angrily at the radio set for a moment, then left it lying at the top of the steps and went back inside. The Herlogy stood motionlessly in dimness. It took a while for Rynison's eyes to adjust to it. He found the interpreter that Mar had left and quickly hooked it up to Horn. The alien's eyes, moving heavily in their sockets, watched him as he connected the wires. When everything was ready, Rynison lifted the interpreter's mic. "'The Earthmen are going to attack you,' he said. "'I want to help you fight them off.' There was no reaction from the alien, only those quiet eyes resting on him like the shadows of the entire past. "'Can you still believe that Kor is a god?' That's only a machine. I spoke through it myself minutes ago. Don't you realize that? After a moment, Horing's eyes slowly closed and opened in acknowledgment. Kor was God, knowledge. The old ones died before time and passed into Kor. Now Kor is dead. And all of you will be dead too, Rynison said. The huge alien sat unmoving. His eyes turned away from Rynison. "'You've got to fight them,' Rynison said. But he could see that it was useless. Horn had made no reply, but Rynison knew what was in his thoughts now. "'There is no purpose.'" End of chapter 9